news? What, what, what news? What's, what's happened? It's a, it's, a, it's a way to grab people, isn't it? Have you heard the news? And of course, it could be a, a variety of different types of news that could be passed on to us. It could be personal news that your, your friends and your family share with you. Uh, she passed the driving test. He said yes. I'm pregnant. It could be that sort of news. And then there's the sort of the national sort of news that the, that the lovely Hugh Edwards will share with us at 10 o'clock. The whispering Welshman. There's been absolutely no change on Brexit. And then there is the momentous news. News that's so big that complete strangers will share it with you. They just can't help themselves. The sort of news where you remember where you were when you heard that news. I'll never forget um, on September the 11th, 2001, walking down the streets of Cardiff and a complete stranger stopped me and said, have you heard the news? I said, what? I said, there's something terrible happening in New York. So I rushed home and, and saw the terrible pictures of the first plane and then suddenly the shock of the second plane going in and the collapse of the Twin Towers. And, and you knew as you watched this, this event that, that the world was not going to be the same again. Well, what I want to say to you today is that I want to share with you momentous news, life-changing, worldview-transforming, hope-inspiring, momentous news. And it comes in a letter written by a Jewish man called Paul to a group of Christians who lived in Rome in AD 57. Now, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, then you might be tempted to think, well, that's old. It can't possibly be relevant for us today. But you would be wrong in thinking that. And I want to ask you whether you would uh, give me your attention just for a brief 30 minutes so that I can try and prove to you that this is more significant than what you're going to hear about as you read the Sunday papers, more significant than what you're going to hear on the TV news today. This momentous news is called the gospel. And today we're beginning a new series. We're going to work through the book of Romans. So please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, I would love you to have one in front of you. So put your hand up and we'll bring you one of the church Bibles. This is really important that you get to see this. So keep your hands up. And uh, when you get your Bible, turn to Romans uh, chapter 1. You'll find this on page 1,129, uh, 28 in the Church Bibles, 1128. And before I read it, let's just pray again. Father, here is this ancient letter, and yet we believe that it is your word to us. So would you grant us faith to have receptive hearts that truly listen to what you have to say, that we may humble ourselves and receive it and believe it and let it shape us as individuals and us as a church. 
We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me read these verses. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word. Please keep, those, keep that open in front of you. There are five things about this momentous news called the gospel I want us to consider. The first one, note how this is a powerful gospel. Look at the first verse. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now if you know anything about the life story of Paul, you'll know how mind-blowing that that is as a description. The book earlier before Romans is the book of Acts, and three times Paul shares his life story. It's an incredible life story. I don't know who you think in your mind would be the least likely person to become a Christian, but I think Paul would be quite high up there on the list. He was a zealous Jew. He knew his Hebrew scriptures. He became, I guess, a religious terrorist. He persecuted Christians who dared to claim that the Jesus who'd been rejected by the Jewish leadership and had been crucified, that that Jesus was in fact the long-promised Messiah King. Now he rejected that. He didn't believe for a moment all that talk about Jesus rising from the dead. And so he did everything in his powers to uh, disrupt and damage the spreading of this message. Uh, he, he, he oversaw uh, the, the imprisonment and he uh, approved of the killing of Christians. He was so opposed to this message. But look how he's described in verse 1. A servant of Christ Jesus. How did this come about? Well, you can read, read it in his own words as you go back to the book of Acts. But on the Damascus road, he's heading to Damascus to, to do more damage to Christians. There, the resurrected and glorified Jesus meets with him and grabs hold of him. And suddenly, his whole life is turned around. His worldview is turned upside down as he realized he, he made a terrible mistake that Jesus is the Messiah as he meets the resurrected and glorious Son of God and he knows his life is forever changed. This Jesus commissioned him, called him to be an apostle, verse 1. He set him apart for this new life purpose of proclaiming this gospel. Do you see it's a powerful gospel? 
that can turn a religious terrorist into a great preacher. This is a powerful gospel, don't you think? And many people in this room would testify to the ongoing powerful change of this gospel in our lives today. It is just as relevant today as we're going to go on to see. How is it that this momentous news can bring about such change? Well, look at its origin. Second point, it is God's gospel. Verse 1, set apart for the gospel of God. It's not generated by human beings. Uh, this isn't a story made up by a human author, a myth made up by uh, a, a culture. This is good news that originates from within God. It is from God. That's why it's so powerful. Can we come to know the God who made this universe and all its complexity? I mean, most people out there recognize that it's highly unlikely that all of this came from nothing for no reason whatsoever. So most people kind of hover in a sort of agnosticism. Is it possible that we can know this God? The God who has made us ears and, and tongues, could he speak to us so that we could understand? And this is Paul's momentous claim. Yes, this God has spoken. He has a message. It's called the gospel. The question is, will we listen to it? It would be very foolish if there is a gospel of God if we think that we can change it or modify it or that we can come up with our own message and label it God's gospel. But sadly, right down through human history and even to this very day, there are people who preach a false gospel. People can be embarrassed by the gospel. They can ignore the gospel. People can distort the gospel and replace it with another message. Why have so many historic denominations gone into decline? I believe it is at this very point that they've neglected the preaching of the good news gospel of God. The only gospel that has life transforming and saving power is the gospel of God. And if we stop preaching that and believing that, then people's lives will not be changed and churches will most certainly go into decline and disappear. And so are we willing to listen humbly to what the Creator God has said in the gospel? Will we listen to it? God's got a message for you. Are you going to listen? Well, Paul goes to great lengths to communicate this gospel. He... he um, he actually wants to go westward to share the good news to the people in Spain. But he says, I'm going to come and stop off with you. And I'm going to share this gospel with you. And I hope that you'll be encouraged with me so that we can, we can work together to see the gospel move westwards. And in advance of him coming, he's not founded this church. He wants them to know the content of what he preaches. He wants them to be on board with, the, with him in, in in proclaiming the same gospel. And so you see, we need to keep checking that the message that we are preaching is faithful to the gospel that the Apostle Paul preached because he was the one set apart by Jesus to proclaim this gospel to, to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world, which is probably most of us. What a great treasure we've got in our hands that we can, we can take time to read it, mark it, learn it, listen to it, obey it. And it can change us. For it is the powerful, God-breathed gospel. 
Thirdly, the gospel is not new. Look at verse 2. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Everywhere that the Apostle Paul went, uh, he would preach the gospel. He would often first go to the synagogue. He'd go in the door and often be thrown out the window. You know, wherever he preached the gospel, it sort of, it basically it really kicked off. Not uncommon to have riots when Paul went into town preaching the gospel. It really stirred the pot. And the opposition often came from the Jewish community who were unhappy with what Paul was preaching, even as he had once been deeply unhappy by it. And so this point is very important. Paul wanted them to know that, that what he preached was not a new message that he had just uh, discovered. The gospel was the one promised by God beforehand through the Old Testament prophets. The Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, God had already declared this wonderful gospel. That he had um, declared it through the prophets like Abraham and Moses and David and Isaiah. That this Jewish Bible is the source of the gospel of God. And this is what Paul wants his Jewish opponents to realize. If they took their Hebrew Bible seriously, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, then they would have to come and believe this gospel of God that he was proclaiming. And we're going to see his methodology as we work through this letter, that he's going to keep making his arguments from the Old Testament scriptures. He's going to keep pointing to them and, and explaining them to us so that we can see that, yes, this gospel was promised beforehand through the prophets. And we as Christians, you see, sometimes for convenience we have a New Testament in our back pocket. But you know what? We need the whole Bible as Christians. We need the Old Testament and the New. We need the whole thing. What's the content of this momentous news? What's the substance? Well, it's there in verse 3. The gospel about God's Son. Look at verse 3. Regarding His Son. Now notice, it's not about us. Some people make the gospel as something that revolves around us. And that would be to completely get it the wrong way around. It's not about us. It's about God's Son. And if we're going to correctly talk about the gospel, we're going to be talking about Jesus. And there are two particular features that God uh, wishes us to know about His Son. That He was truly man and that He is truly Son of God. That He is truly man. First point, he was descended, a real flesh and blood man, born in human history. And I think we probably need to keep explaining this today because a recent study showed that 40% of the population don't realize that Jesus was an historical person, which tells us there's something wrong with our education system because no serious historian doubts this. The gospel writers, especially Luke, go into great pains to show us how the life of Jesus fitted into the events of history. He was a real man in history, but he was not an ordinary man. He was descended from David, the great king of Israel. The one that God had given an amazing promise to, that from his line would come a king who would rule um, over God's people forever. And you just read the account of Israel, you kind of think, is it going to be this king? Oh no, it's not that king. Each king is a bit of a washout. And in fact, by the end of the Old Testament, it all looks a complete washout. We're still waiting at the end of the Old Testament for this king. 
And the key part of the gospel message that Paul proclaimed is exactly this, that the Jesus that he's proclaiming is that promised Messiah King, that he is the Christ. Truly, man, truly the Son of God. Second part, look at verse 4. Who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. This historical Jesus rose from the dead and is now alive forevermore. That's why this message is still so incredibly contemporary and relevant for us today, even though it's such an ancient message. It's about a person who is alive forevermore. One who was raised from the dead. Now his birth, his earthly ministry was characterized by weakness. He, he suffered deprivation, rejection. Uh, he was crucified. But now... He's in a new sphere of spirit-empowered life. His resurrection from the dead declares to all that Jesus continues to be the Son of God in power. God has declared that his Son is Lord over everyone and everything. The gospel is saying that everyone in this room has a Lord who has the right to rule our lives, and it is Jesus. The Jesus of history is now seated at the right hand of the majesty and high. The baby born in Bethlehem is now the Lord of heaven and earth. The one who died on a cross for our sins, who rose from the dead, will in fact return to be the judge of the living and the dead. And if you want to summarize and encapsulate the gospel in four words, it's there at the end of verse 4. Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, the, the person of history who died on a cross for our sins, is God's king. He is the Christ. And by his resurrection, heaven declares that he is Lord of all. In a sense, to become a, a Christian is to be able to rightly say and believe these words, Jesus Christ is Lord and the wonderful thing about this expression is it brings us to mind that as we individually come to Jesus and accept who he is, we're joined into a community of fellow believers, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think it's so helpful to be reminded that this is an historical message, that the Jesus of my experience, the Jesus that I trust day by day, who is at God's right hand, is the Jesus rooted in the historical events of the past. Uh, a friend of mine, John Chapman, is an evangelist and, and, and he used to make this point quite regularly that sometimes when he was quite discouraged, he'd be lying in bed thinking, oh, it's just too much bother, this Christian life. I'm not sure I want to keep following Jesus. And then he would do this little talking to himself. Well, Chapo, I've always do his Aussie accent anyway. Chapo, <laughs> have you got any new information that Jesus was not a real person in history? Any new evidence that he didn't rise from the dead? No, I didn't think so. You better get out of your bed, read your Bible, say your prayers, and keep following Jesus. Fifthly, this gospel is for everyone. This was the point that generally caused things to kick off when Paul proclaimed them. His Jewish compatriots were incensed at the claim. 
that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he was now a God for everyone, that this was a message of salvation to, to the whole world, not just the Jewish world, but the Gentile world, and that they could come without becoming Jewish, without following the Jewish traditions. This incensed the Jewish community. But Paul was crystal clear that he had no choice but to proclaim this because he'd received this commission from the resurrected Jesus. Look at verse 5. Through him, through Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Do you see what he's called to do? He is to call everyone to believe this momentous news about Jesus and to obey Jesus as their King and Savior. Do you see that this gospel of God requires a response to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith? For his name's sake. The gospel is not some doctrinal ideas. It is a person. It's Jesus. And when we grasp the gospel about God's son. That he has been declared the Lord of heaven and earth. Then we're left with only two alternatives aren't we? We will either accept it and fall before him in repentance and faith. Or we will reject him as our rightful ruler, and continue in our rejection and sin. There's only two responses to this, to this momentous news. That's what makes it so challenging. It requires a response. Have you responded to this gospel of God? God has got something to say to you. It's called the gospel about his son. Have you responded to it yourself? You might say, well, hang on, hang on, this is new to me. I, 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 don't know, I don't know what this is about. I don't have enough information. Well, why don't you sign up to do that Life Explored course? You could come on Thursday night and in a relaxed format learn, learn some more. You could keep coming back on Sundays because we're going to be working through this letter. This is a very concise summary of the gospel and he's going to go into the depths of what it means in the, in the coming chapters. But maybe you're ready. And in your bulletin, you'll see on the back page a prayer of repentance. That's a prayer that you could use right now to get right with God. It's a prayer that's inviting the power of God to come into your life as you believe and respond to the gospel. Do you want the power of God in your life? Believe and respond to this gospel about God's Son. Do you want to be transformed by God? Talk to Him. Ask Him. It's in your grasp. It's in your grip. Don't leave today without praying that prayer if you've not done so. If you're still weighing up, just, just consider some of the incredible blessings that flow out of believing the gospel. Verse 6, we are called to 
belong to Jesus Christ. I, I think many people actually deep down feel lonely and disconnected from others. We feel isolated. We wonder, where do we belong? Through the gospel, I learn I belong to King Jesus. That is a precious thing. Someone who's got all authority over heaven and earth is happy to take me on board and love and care for me. Verse 7, whatever family upbringing you grew up in, whether it's Lithuanian or Jewish or Welsh or Scottish, you can be equally loved by God. Verse 7, to all in Rome, loved by God, whether you're Jew or Gentile, equally loved by God. And we're called to be his holy people, God's holy people. And this is a gospel that brings us into this sort of genuine relationship with God where day by day we experience the joy of God's grace. This is what he says at the beginning, grace. What's grace? It's God's undeserved kindness. It's it's God's blessing in my life. And when I believe the gospel, this is my experience every day to know God's grace at work in my life. More than that, God's peace at work in my life. Grace and peace You know, to know that uh, God in heaven is not angry with me. I'm not condemned if I'm trusting Christ. I'm right with him. He smiles upon me. I have peace with God. These are the amazing blessings of the gospel that flow to us when we come and receive Christ as our Savior and as our King. And this is the truly revolutionary thing. This is what makes it for everyone. It's on the basis of faith. It's on the basis of trusting God's Son. That's why it's momentous news for everyone. It doesn't matter what family you were born into. It's not about being religious or following rituals. It's not about making yourself good enough to be accepted by God. It's about putting your trust in God's Son. Have you done that? That's what makes us right before God. That's what brings us into His eternal kingdom of grace and blessing. And so this gospel is for everyone because it's on the principle of faith, of trusting Him. I think this is absolutely wonderful. For people who live in Saudi Arabia, for people who live in Africa or Israel or Scotland. This gospel is for all of them. It's for everyone. It's for prisoners and it's for presidents. It's for men and women. It's for children. It's for retired people. It's for Brexiteers and for Remainers. It's for royalty. It's for ordinary people. It's for wealthy people. It's for poor people. It's for people with uh, doctorates. It's for people with no qualifications at all. It's for, it's for people who are black. It's for people who are white and every skin color in between. The gospel is for everyone. God offers the world through his son the means by which we can become right with him if we will trust Christ and what he's done for us. And when this momentous news grabs hold of us, you can't but help but share it, even with complete strangers. Because it is momentous and glorious news.
If you've not responded to this good news today, do it today. It's going to get noisy and hubbubby, but why don't you find a quiet place and just pray that prayer. There's a prayer team that will be at the front here. They'll be very happy just to talk with you and perhaps pray alongside you or with you. If you've got any questions, you could ask them. Who are you going to share it with this week? Paul's writing this letter because he wants to get this church in Rome so excited that they're going to partner with him in spreading this momentous good news. Who are we going to share it with this week? Let's pray for an opportunity, shall we? Let's pray.